Hello and welcome to the Here for Healing podcast with me, your host, Carly Brown. This is a podcast dedicated to the healing journey using alternative, holistic, and integrative methods to heal from the inside out. I chat with practitioners, patients, and individuals who are blazing their own path to radiant, vibrant health and wellness. I can't thank you enough for being here. Let's get into this week's episode. Okay, Mike, so tell me a little bit about why you are such a proponent of detoxification as it contributes to a an overall wellness lifestyle or specifically to a healing journey. You're the everyday detox on Instagram, so <laughs> tell me why. Well, it's funny. I've made my entire career and a lot of my life revolving around natural living and detoxification. Uh, it, it's because it, um, it had a... It had a very profound and powerful effect on me spiritually, actually. So when I was younger, I was, um, uh, I don't want this to sound the wrong way because I came from an amazing, loving home in a a great place, but I grew up in New York in the 80s and 90s and there were a lot of bad influences. Once I started leaving the house and going out, I grew up in Staten Island. So uh, a lot of interesting characters, uh, many of whom I'm still friends with, but we were exposed to a lot. I had uh, there was sort of a, a violent social climate when I w- in in the the among the young men let's say you know back in the 80s and 90s uh, especially late 80s into into like the mid 90s so um, there was a lot of posturing and bad behavior um, I had anxiety around it because you could be out with your friends and you never know what kind of fight's going to go down in a parking lot or who's going to throw bottles at you from a car like it was that kind of situation you know um, I was actually. Uh, you know, it's funny, I used to tell this story and I used to tell people like when I was a teenager, I got stabbed with a kitchen knife by this guy that that uh, I had a little altercation with. But I was I found the paperwork and I found the, the court records and I found the order of protection and all these things that happened. I was 12 when that happened. Oh so I called gosh. my mom. I was like, Mom, was I 12? I used to think I was like 14, 15. Like, no, you were like a li- you were 12. But I was 12 running around, shaving, creaming the neighborhood, throwing eggs at things. Like this is back when anything goes. This was Halloween. You could do whatever you wanted to, you know. But there was a lot of, um, it, was a, it was a wild environment. And I had a lot of anxiety around it because you never knew what was going to happen. So I had two things going on. I had anxiety in my family and I had, um, uh, I had alcoholism in my family. So I just kind of married the two and I medicated one with the other and I became a pro at self-medicating and got very deep into alcohol culture when I was young. And I did it, I mean, I started drinking probably when I was like 12, 13 or something, but uh, really started drinking when I was 15, 16, 17. And I did it all the way up until I was 18 and it took me to a very bad place. A lot of bad decisions were made. Uh, My body was in horrible shape. You can see it on my Instagram. There's some books that have pictures of me in it, like before and afters and stuff. But um, it was a gross, it was a gross time. It was a low period. And I read a book. I picked up a book in my parents' basement. It was the autobiography of Malcolm X one day. And and in this moment, I was like, I'm going to read this book. I actually have it. And I just ordered a case for it the other day. This is the original printing. Uh, the original copy that I read, you can't even really open it. It's falling apart. I've had this since uh, well I picked used. up this book. Yeah, I picked it up in, um, uh, I guess, 95 is when I, you know, it's not when it was printed, but that's when I first picked this book up and it was still in decent condition. It was an old book. Uh, and uh, when I read that book, I had a spiritual awakening and I, it, it, was, it was incredible. I, I guess my mind was just ready for it. But from that book, I learned self-responsibility. I was able to draw the... Um, from looking at Malcolm's life, I was able to just kind of draw the discipline and the inspiration to stop drinking, stop smoking, start eating better food, started modeling him. But like, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't have any interest in being Muslim or any religion, but I was like, okay, Malcolm doesn't eat pork. I'm not going to eat pork anymore. Like I was just kind of trying to model myself after someone that I looked at as very um, successful and, and, uh, and effective in their spiritual life and their spiritual mission. So as I was doing that, I was educating myself, walked into a health food store, picked up another brilliant book that's probably back here on this messy shelf uh, somewhere, and um, started eating clean. And when I started eating cleaner, I felt like my true compassionate nature really came through. Like I was always a good soul, but with all the bad influences around me, not to take responsibility off of me, but like I fell right into it. I was a teenage boy, like growing up in in the wild west of New York, (laughs) where like you had anything you wanted, you know? Um, so, uh, 
you know, when I started eating cleaner, I noticed that like everything shifted. I, I matured very quickly uh, emotionally and uh, and uh, and morally and ethically, and really started caring about animals and and put more value into. Uh, the life I was given and treating my body well and it just kind of snowballed from there and it served me so incredibly well and um, I just have always been attracted to that work in one way or another so uh, yeah so that's 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 the that's the story right there that's how we got here so it sounds like detox to you is more than just physical tell me what like to me it sounds like there was a, a, a spiritual emotional it was is it when you say detox is that what does that encompass to you then well, it, it's highly spiritual work because it's because uh, of everything that it represents, mm-hmm. right? So, like I even tell people, I'm like, look, juicing is a spiritual act, and I don't say that to like just have some 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 weird edgy like quote for Instagram or something. Like, juicing is a spiritual act because you look at, you know, everything we do spiritually. It's it's basically just how we're spending our time, our energy, and our effort while we're alive, right? So we could be doing that a lot of different ways. Um, you know, binge drinking in a bar to me, even though it might have a, a beneficial spiritual repercussion one day, because that's where I kind of had to sink to bounce out. But like, that's not a high vibrational spiritual act, honestly. It's not a very good use of time, considering all that we're given to to work with here. You know, like if 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 we hold the belief that spiritually we're here to to grow and evolve and to do it with each other, and the world is made to not be perfect, that it's a big messy classroom to do this, and we look at everything that's going on, um, there's plenty to do and there's plenty of ways to spend time. So when you're juicing and you think about the whole chain, you think about everything that's going on when you're juicing, especially if you're juicing organic food. It's like you're put. You're doing whatever you do for work, and you're putting your energy in and and um, trying to further the efforts of a farmer that's consciously not spraying pesticide and poison all over the earth, and they're consciously trying to bring more plants into the world and more healing plants into the world, right? So, so already we have that relationship going on, and that's how you're spending your time. And then you're juicing, and then you're doing it for yourself because you're honoring this beautiful body we all have right that like is the most amazing gift that we take for granted a lot of the time you know and like so here it is and uh it's and you know and if you're doing it in a way that i do it and i don't want this to sound judgy or anything but for me plant-based eating is a highly spiritual choice Mm -hmm. right i don't believe humans are i believe humans are omnivores right but but because we have choice now it's like a it's like it's um it's an intentional effort to create less suffering in the world. So here I am juicing my vegan organic stuff and I'm like including the farmer in on it and I'm sharing it with people on Instagram and I'm uh, you know doing it for me for them for you know it's just this beautiful spiritual thing like that's how I'm spending my time that's church to me mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel all of that. I mean, especially as, as a juicer myself, I feel all of that, the steps, the in, the intention from where you get the produce, the produce from, what energy you bring into the kitchen. Whenever I speak to my juicing team, I say, you know, we're not talking about politics. We're not talking about the argument that you had right now. This is a spiritual experience and we are creating therapeutic juices. We are creating juices that will heal people's bodies because that's what cold pressed organic juice has the ability to do. So all of it from the moment that we purchase the produce until the moment that we drop it off at someone's door it is infused with intention and that that's the way juicing is a prayer juicing is a spiritual act for me so i totally resonate with what you're saying please tell me that's one of the the like mission statements of your company infused with intention like that if it's not we we just uncovered something right now like infused with intention that should be the tagline on every juice of yours that's powerful yeah, I, I, we haven't done that yet, but thank you for pulling that out of me. I like it. I like it. So, um, you know, part of your journey, I know, is that you were led to colonics, so much so that you opened Vitality in New York City, which does gravity colonics, cryotherapy, sauna. Um, I know that you are running it remotely because you're in Oregon right now. But as part of my journey and my detoxification, one thing I always say to people is you ha- you can put the good stuff in. You can put in the juice and the raw foods and all the good stuff, but you have to literally take the crap out. You have to take the bad stuff out. So that's why I've been very inspired it, to infuse my journey with colonics, with coffee enemas, with liver detoxification. Why were you so inspired about colonics that you opened a studio? I know, it's a weird... <laughs> choice, right? To be like, I'm going to do that. And this is this is my second legitimate studio that I have. Uh, when does this air, by the way? Um, probably two to three weeks. 
Okay, good. So mm -hmm. I'll say it. You know, COVID has destroyed yeah. our business, and, and Vitality uh -huh. is is going to be closed by the time this airs. It's been the last five years of my my life, um, and you know, it's it's just what it is. And I don't, uh, I'm not romantic about business, yeah. so you know, uh, it's allowing me a lot of extra time to do more work online. We're doing a lot of coaching stuff. We have a lot of great stuff planned. So, um, but yeah, the studio, because of everything that's happened these days, is no longer here. This that was it as of right now it still is but you know at the time this airs that was my uh my second uh professional studio we used to work illegally out of apartments for years and uh, that's because uh we were led by my uh, very um eccentric and uh, uh and um uh anarchistic <laughs> old business partner Gil jacobs uh so what happened was in the beginning, I started to eat clean. And when we started to eat clean initially, especially if we don't go too hard too fast, right? If you're not like going from like standard American to raw food or standard American to fruitarian or like some radical diet, if you're not doing that, but you're just kind of improving it, you know, maybe eating more organic, maybe eating 50% raw, maybe just starting to eat plant-based proteins and like you feel an elevation and things get really good. Weight comes off, arteries clear up, skin clears up, like things happen really quick and it feels nice. But as you start to go deeper into it, the detoxification experiences could become uh, uh, more uncomfortable. And I, for the first seven years, I didn't know what a colonic was. I didn't even know like I should be getting massages. That nobody talked about infrared saunas. Saunas were like luxury things or they were like, you know, for like uh, Russians, you know, like the Russian bathhouse or something like it wasn't just part of the culture like things are now, you know. Uh, and I started this in what, like 95, I guess. So and being vegan was really weird, too. Um, so I didn't know I could assist my body with detoxification. And, you know, I went through all these these deep cleanses over the years. But when I really started to push it and learned about raw food and raw food being an exclusive thing and people being able to do long juice fasts and like, you know, I kind of was on to the next level of things as they unfolded. Uh, and things started to get a little more intense and I almost felt like my health declined a little bit initially because I was getting thinner, I didn't have uh, the energy I was just reading about in all of these books. And uh, someone I was with was getting colonics and she said, oh, can you come to this treatment with me? And I said, okay, yeah. you know, we were, I don't know, we were out for the day. I go up to this apartment building and we walk into this, uh, it's like this like residential apartment building. I walk through the door and it's set up like an office. And I was like, like a wellness studio. And I'm like, what is this? You know, it was a big illegal operation. And that's where I meet Gil Jacobs. And he's like, oh, what, you're gonna wait outside? He's like, come in the treatment room. And I was like, okay, let me come in and see what this is about. And just watching him work and then talking to him about like, you know, he was like, oh, you eat clean, you do this. I said, yeah, I said, but I, I thought I would have more like vitality. Like, like where is it? And he said, I was like, maybe I need to like eat fish or maybe I should start eating eggs or something like that. I've been vegan for seven years. And he was like, nah, kid, you need to take a big shit. Let's get you on the table next. I don't have, I have a cancellation. You're getting on next. Yes. Like, oh, no. I didn't feel anything after the first treatment. I, I don't even think I felt anything until after like the third treatment. But once you start to assist the body with uh, removing the endogenous waste that was never meant to be there. And, and there's a lot of ways to do this. Uh, there's saunas, there's liver flushes, there's like all these things we can do. But um, emptying the core of the body of all the weight of the waste and the pressure of the gas, especially when you're eating clean, right? So we consider the food and the juice and the water, the soap and the colonic, the shower, right? So once we start to loosen up the gunk that's like in the pipes and we move it through, then all of a sudden everything expands and the vitality goes up. Now, I didn't understand that. I used to, I went to culinary school. I studied uh, culinary arts. I studied farming, um, not farming like I was on a farm, but like farming cultures and food philosophies. I did all this in New York. You know, I wasn't like on a farm somewhere, but um, I was very much into the organic food movement, plant-based food movement, worked at Angelica Kitchen. So I studied that. I studied nutrition facts. I like learned all these things, which is cool intellectually, but Gil was just like, no, that's not it. That's 20% of it. 80% is taking shits and emptying your guts and like sweating and deep. And I was like, really, is it that simple? And then when I started the application of it, it was just, it was night and day. I was like, oh, that's, that's what this is. And at, at that time, like at, when I became a therapist, then a couple of years later, raw food movement was at its peak. You had all these toxic New Yorkers at 40, 45, 50 years old. Two days later, they read a book in a weekend and all of a sudden they're like on a raw food diet. Well, they were like, getting into deep, deep places of detoxification. 
the thing that helped them was not backtracking and eating more cooked food or anything. The thing that helped them was getting doing the treatments and doing saunas and doing repetitive colonics, and all of a sudden the color would come back in their face and their body would fill out and they would come in feeling good and no more headache and my skin is clear and it's like, and I was like, this is it. I was like, I see this now. This is like the ground zero of what, how our diet and nutrition and detoxification processes are affecting our chemistry as a whole. And I was like, that's why I want to do this work. That's amazing. And so, so tell, tell us simply how a colonic works, because I know that people are confused between enemas and colonics. Like, give us the, give us the simple rundown of it. There's multiple types of colonics. Unfortunately, many of them are not very good. Uh, they're not very good methods. Mm -hmm. And I, I hate to be critical of other methods. I love to be inclusive, but they suck. They really do. There's ones where they stick things in your butt, they run some water and they leave the room. And then they say, hey, we'll see you in 35 minutes. Like, mm -hmm. that's never gonna work. You might get a little bit of stuff to move that's not gonna work. There's other methods that are overthought and um, they're, they're, um, they use hydraulic pressure and suction and like, that stuff, if you have a really good therapist, maybe 5% of the time I've heard they work well. What we do are gravity colonics, and they are a very, it's almost like a driving, um, driving stick shift or something, like much more control over the situation. You could read the body just like you could read the road, understand you know, what the body needs, how much pressure it needs, and it's super simple. We have a five gallon tank of ultra purified water that we refill five to seven times, depending on how much someone's body needs, everyone's different. And depending on the height, this is what a high colonic is. It's actually not how high the water goes up in the body. It's how high the tank is above the table. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have the tank at a certain height and there's a little tube and this, the fresh water drains down from the tank when we unclip a little clip and it moves through an instrument into the body. It stimulates movement, it dissolves waste and gas and it acts as a transport medium that carries it out of another waste tube. But with the skill of the therapist, they're manipulating that tube to trigger different areas in the bowel to get deeper releases. And it's like, it's in, the most simple and powerful method I've ever seen and ever worked with. It's incredible. And once you get some really good flow, I mean, you've had treatments. Oh yeah. Once you're like in that flow and then you're like unlocking areas from your deep right side and you're just like, whoa. Like it's amazing how much we can hold on to even when we eat healthy. But oh, you, you see, see the, the sunshine people, in a new light after you've had a good colonic. I've had my eyesight sharpen up after a treatment and I've had multiple clients tell me that. Mm -hmm. And you know, even after enemas, I've had clients be like, I was on a juice fast, I did an enema, I, like a minute later I stood up and all of a sudden my eyesight's better. Now, yeah. so with colonics, do you do one, do you do three, do you, like someone wants to do colonics, do you do a series, what does that look like? It depends. I always base it off of what the last one was and what someone's goals are. So if someone is like on a juice fast, I'm like, you want to have them on the schedule, right? Because sometimes the bowels stop working, sometimes cleansing responses overwhelm you. So I should just add, the reason we do this and assist the body in this way is because once we get out of the way of the body wanting, we're basically, we're um, enabling the body's own innate healing capabilities. So what that means is when we cut our finger, we don't do anything. We just sit there and look at it and the body heals it up, right? The body's constantly trying to repair, and even on a micro level, repair damaged DNA. We see a lot of this happening with um, with the science coming out around intermittent fasting. Um, but you know, it's always trying to repair damaged DNA, knock out those free floating cancer cells, remove that excess toxicity, clear the liver of any sludge that like it's always trying to do these things. It's always internal cleaning house, but we stop it from doing that, and we do that energetically, meaning like physical, physically energetically, by putting in food and redirecting the body's energy. Mm -hmm. The greatest example is Thanksgiving dinner, right? So Thanksgiving dinner, everybody's comatose, sitting there like laying, you know, with the big belly, like after they ate that meal. Where'd all the energy go? It went right to digesting because you overate, and we overate on a whole bunch of stuff that uh, is very challenging for the system. So when we start to eat, let's say, a raw food diet or a vegan diet, or you're on a juice fast, there are different ways of getting out of the way. And all of a sudden there's nothing going on and the body goes recognizes it after a moment and then it starts to do some deep cleansing while it's doing that it brings things out from the deep tissue from the organs into circulation for elimination and when it does that um it cannot feel well sometimes body temperature can go up you can get fevers you can get headaches you can get body ache you can get pimples you can get all sorts of di digestive disruptions so that's what cleansing responses are and they're not fun and people don't like them so that's why we do this and when we start to empty the bowel and take the take and assist the body, uh, the symptoms drop down. Skin clears up, the headache might disappear, you know, the fever goes away, whatever it is that you're detoxifying. So um, 
So I like to see, so if someone has a program set up or if someone's starting out very toxic, I'll be like, yeah, let's schedule, let's have some on the books. But if someone's just like into living it and they don't have symptoms, but they know it makes their belly flat, their skin uh, clear and they feel good from them and they like to do it as a maintenance thing, I like to see what it looks like after, um, uh, after their last session. Sometimes I'm like, we need to get you back in in like three days. And sometimes I'm like, see, you know, you're doing great. See where you're at when you want to come in. Let's book one in a month or two or three and like just see if everything's working great. If not, you come in before that. You know, sometimes it's like no big deal. Sometimes it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because people hold on to a lot. I had this one, I still remember the first time I ever did that. It was this poor girl. I uh, wasn't into the cleansing life or anything. Very heavy girl came in. I gave her a treatment. It was like my first year doing colonics and she would go to the bathroom once every two weeks. One time, once every two weeks. And I know a lot of women like that in New York, but like, uh, but you can tell her body was, it was just really like crushing her body too. And I told her, I was like, I, I really, I'm not trying to sell you anything right now, but like, I would really love for you to come back next week. I never saw her again, but um, yeah. So, uh, but you know, New York being a vanity city and colonics being so effective at clearing skin and making flat bellies, uh, people come in once a week for life. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, some people do. It's a luxury thing. Some people do. A lot of people use it for cleansing and healing too, though. So it's always like a 50-50 split as to how we're spending our time at the studio. Yeah, I remember the first time that I did a colonic, I was so angry after. My mom wanted, my mom wanted me to do it. My mom is also a colon hydrotherapist. That's how I was connected with you. And I and she was like, that's it. That's great, Carly. Those are the emotions coming up out. Those are the stuck and stagnant emotions. I was like, mom, I'm going to freak out right now. And so she had me doing a series of six. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, thank you so much. That was amazing. But those that first one was it was it was tough. It was tough for me. And I think that's what you're speaking to is are those detox symptoms. You know, I, anger is one of them. Anger is a detox symptom. Uh, fever, chills, feeling tired, all, all of these things. But the emo- some of the emotional stuff are also detox symptoms. It's huge. I mean, Gil used to joke around and he used to say, like, the only world leader that we should ever have is someone that does colonics on a <laughs> weekly basis. You know, he said, all the world's problems are in the colon. I think that's an oversimplification. But, uh, you know, it's it highly affects our mood. Like the toxicity of what we're holding in the gut definitely affects our moods. I've seen it so many times. We have clients come in on a juice fast. I think I need to start eating. This thing happened on the subway. Can you believe that the rain got splashed with the cab that went by and they like complained about the whole thing. And then like, you know, four feet of heaviness comes through the body. Heaviness is what Gil always called it, uh, called waste coming out. Four feet of heaviness slips through the body and 30 minutes, 40 minutes later, and they're like, I think I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna juice another 10 days. You know, they're in the best mood, they're hugging you, they're leaving, you know. Um, It's a simplification of it, but it's very true. Like, it's very true. It's not just physical. You know, the gut brain axis, I mean, you know, we know that when we communicate to the gut from the brain, right, like something scary, the plane is wobbling, uh, we have to do public speaking or something like, you feel the butterflies in the stomach, you know, something awful happens, you feel it right in the gut, you know, some some type of loss in our life or something. but when there's uh, when there's no harmony happening in the gut as well, that's communicating up to the brain. So it goes both ways, the gut-brain axis. The microbiome's communicating to the brain all the time. And if there's all sorts of disruption happening there and accumulation and decomposition, because a lot of people eating hot dogs and, those, and street meat from fruit, uh, food uh, vendors and stuff, like the residue that leaves, that's just decomposing in the gut. That gut's a graveyard, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so th- when all that communication on a cellular level, meaning, and I'm not trying to be all woo-woo about it, not just energetically, but all those poisonous waste gases coming off of that, changing the microbiome, like that's sending a signal to your brain that things are not okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that you spoke to earlier is the innate ability for the body to heal itself, right? And I was just speaking about this yesterday about intermittent fasting, which you brought up, which is autophagy. It's the self-cleansing. It's the bo- it's the ability for the body to cleanse cellular waste and cellular debris. Where mm-hmm. does fasting uh, play a role in what we're speaking to today. Are you a water fast, juice faster? What What do you recommend in regards to fasting in on a healing and wellness journey? Well, speaking, so transition is always the best way to do things. And we don't see a lot of that these days. I'm always, like when I do uh, online coaching, I'm always trying to like pull people back 
Like I see people that are like, I'm ready for a water fast. And I'm like, have you ever done a juice fast? No. Have you ever lived clean for more than a week? No. You know, like they've never done these things. And so anybody can stop eating and, and activate the body's innate healing capabilities. But how much toxicity do you have backed up and how much of an ability do you have to deal with that emotionally and on a physical level? Um, when it starts to come out? And do you have the equipment and the access to the practices that are gonna help you get through one of those things? So I'm into, I'm into daily intermittent fasting. It never had a name, now it does. I mean, like we jo- kind of joke around about it, but we've been doing this for, I mean, Dr. bishi has been doing it for 30 years before I even got into this, you know? So like, but like just not eating and giving space and distance is, is where all the magic happens. It's that ultimate break. So 14 to 16 hours overnight, it's like, that's perfect for me. Uh, not excluding water. Anybody can drink water at any time, in my opinion. But um, so um, I love intermittent fasting as a daily practice. Uh, I would always recommend that people do juice fasting and a series of colonics or enemas if they don't have access before they start thinking about water fasting, unless they have some deep emergency, meaning they have some health issue that now all of a sudden they need to like get super serious and do that. Um, but water fasting, I, w- I would always say, is kind of like for the PhDs of the cleansing world. Not, not in a literal sense, not that you have a PhD, but like you've done the work for years. Like you've earned your degree. Like, and now you want to bring it to a new level. And I do want to warn people to some degree, when you, first of all, wa- so the level of risk goes up with water fasting, right? Because now you're not getting any replenishment. With juice fasting, it's kind of like you're eating, but you're, you're just doing such a better job than your teeth and you're getting all the electrolytes and vitamins and enzymes. And like, you're really, ba- you're getting minerals. You're really balancing yourself out. You're getting more, it's like eating 10 salads a day. You know, you're just not chewing it. You just don't have the bulk in your gut of the fiber, right? So um, there's very little risk for most people. It depends on how toxic they are when they start, but there's very little risk with the juice fast. As long as you're keeping on top of bowel cleansing and things are working well for you and you're not too toxic. Water fasting though goes real dip, deep really quick. And if you do get above like three days plus, and if you break it the wrong way, or if you start to run into a healing crisis where you can't just do enemas and colonics as deeply when you're on a water fast because you have no replenishment. If you upset your electrolyte balance, now you haven't eaten for 10 days and then your electrolyte balance is upset and like it becomes a little more complicated. It goes smooth a lot of the time, but there are people that have had very bad reactions during water fasting because they didn't have the proper guidance or, um, or they didn't break it the right way or they didn't know how to navigate the area that they were in. So it's highly therapeutic. You just save it for the end. And let, if you want to do like one to three days, like probably fine for most people, but save it for the end if you're going to do deep water fasting. Another little warning, our body believes what we do. So if you're not there, as far as being, like you need to always be improving. And I've seen horrible things happen to pe- even people that are close to me, where they started out like me, oh, I'm eating clean, I'm eating vegan, I'm eating brown rice, I'm eating macrobiotic food, I'm eating tofu, I'm eating all these, and then they get skin, like thin, like not too skinny, but like they get thin, then they get fit, then they feel great, now I'm plant-based, oh, I heard about raw food, now I'm gonna juice fast, I'm gonna do 30 days, and then I'm gonna do 60 days, now I just did a 90-day juice fast. Now I wanna go back to eating brown rice and bagels and vegan pizza because whatever reason they decide, and it's been two or three years, when you go backward like that, you realize how congesting that food is. It challenges your liver, it congests your colon, it congests your sinuses, it adds extra weight to your body. I mean, I know somebody now that's, uh, God, he's been struggling ever since he left raw foods and fasting and actually backtracked. He's been struggling so hard with his weight, dark circles under his eyes. He still eats plant-based, but he's eating more processed food, he's eating more sandwiches, he's, you know, things that healed him in the beginning because it was a radical improvement from his standard American diet. But you, your body, his body believed him that it was gonna be super efficient and live on live food full of enzymes and lightness. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, no, we're going back to heaviness. The body was like, no, we're not. We're gonna revolt against this and everything's gonna fail now. And like health declined. So, so what's so the suggestion? Uh, to stay with the raw foods? To stay with the, where, where does this guy, what does he do? Um, well, what he should do is he should, see the problem is when you're prone to extreme food behaviors, it's mm. real easy to fast again. Yeah. But he fell into trouble fasting, uh, um, what I call stock graft dieting. Up, down, up, down. Like that's not good for the metabolism. Right. That's not good for, this, for the body. So what would be good for him is to transition into a juice fast again and then come out of it. And not he doesn't have to be a raw foodist or anything, but he just needs to eat so simple and clean in a good way. I don't mean like in a boring puritanical way, but like, um, 
in a good way. You can still season his food. Like if he ate like me, he would be great. He would do so well. If he did food combining, nice intermittent fasting, didn't have coffee and the packaged milks and the donuts and like all that kind of stuff, he would do so much better. Right, like the healthy quote unquote vegan food that's still packaged, like how Oreos are vegan, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So so you're saying he went back towards those foods instead of a whole foods diet is what I'm hearing. Yeah, and now he doesn't juice anymore. He doesn't have a, a taste for raw juice. He doesn't, you know. It, it changed his, his microbiome changed and his taste changes and, and his addictions uh, resurfaced his addiction to cook to uh, processed food and cooked food resurfaced so what I'm saying is if you're going to go into these long juice fasts and stuff it's a and I mean I mean like doing the deep work juice fast water fast I don't mean a three-day juice fast or a 10-day juice fast anybody should should try these things and, and get some good experience because sometimes it's a game changer rich roll who's got the one of the best plant-based podcasts in the world he his wife like put him on he was like this overweight lawyer kind of like was not a, not feeling great and his wife put him on like a four-day juice fast or something and it changed his whole life like mm-hmm. he's like you know so so these things have value but once you start like getting really excited about it and going deep you're committing you're like i'm gonna keep doing this i'm telling my body this is what we're doing and now we're gonna keep doing it and i don't mean i'm gonna keep fasting and never eat again i mean i'm gonna keep you know doing a fast and then improving and eating clean i'm not gonna take 10 steps backward i'm gonna keep nourishing my body Yes. Yes. You know. Yeah. Keep elevating it. So we, we're we're elevating or maintaining at a high level. We're not backtracking. And you know. So talk to me what like a daily day looks like for you now. It sounds like you went through a lot of different versions of eating and and diets. And so what does like your maintenance today look like? It changes every day, but it's it's really very it's very similar. I have light days and then days where I want more fortification. Today's like a light day, I guess. It's like, it's almost 2 p.m. here. I haven't had anything but water today. And after this, I'll probably have some watermelon or something and then try to maybe go till dinner. Um, And then I'll have a salad. Maybe I'll have a big sweet potato. Maybe I'll have a salad with some raw cashews or flaxseed crackers. Maybe I'll have a salad with avocado. Everything's always based in like 80% um, raw salad for me when I make a meal and variety not just like a bunch of spinach leaves like a bunch of different lettuces carrots red onions raw olives some you know hemp seeds like it's always something like that um some days i need a little bit more i'll I'll make like a banana ice cream more calorically dense put some berries in it um and then if i need if i'm like and it, it all depends. Sometimes it depends on what's occurred the day before, how much sleep I've gotten, you know. So, it, like, I really feel into it. I don't have a real food philosophy other than I have things uh, that – other than I'm always eating something clean and that's not going to impact my body in a bad way. Let me put it that way. Right. But uh, – and I, and I have daily practices. Wake up, water. We wait. We see. Nothing really happens for 14 to 16 hours as far as food or anything or beverages or anything like that. The first thing that always goes in my body is either fresh fruit or fresh fruit smoothie or raw juice. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes I'll get a bag of cherries and have a green juice together, you know. Uh, But it's always some type of raw, cleansing, hydrating, water-containing food is the first thing that ever enters my body. Uh, Sometimes it's a little denser. Sometimes it's like banana ice cream, you know. It's still a water-containing food, but it's not oranges, right? It's a little denser. and then sometimes midday, I'll have like a raw protein bar. I'll make a coconut smoothie with coconut meat and some hemp protein if I feel like I need something a little more grounding, some protein, some fat. Um, but I don't ever really eat a meal meal until I try to eat early, but I don't eat too early because as you know, with a little one and work and uh, especially in the summer when the sun stays up here until like 9.15 at night, it's deceiving. But uh, anyway, by the time I get to dinner, it's always what I explain, like the salad, something clean, you know. And that's it. And I just put it on repeat and I don't think about it. And I just celebrate all the amazing, abundant, uh, raw foods that I can find. I love that. I love that. So um, what what does that look like for your family then? Does your family, you have a beautiful new baby and you. your wife. And so as ever grows up, will it look like raw foods for him? Or what's your approach as a family unit? Uh, well, it it will and it won't. So, you know, Holly, my wife, she eats a lot of the same food I do. Um, but she likes um, she likes um, vegan tacos and she likes vegan pizza. And, you know, so she eats like that kind of food, plus the big raw salads I make. I'll make one for her as well. She eats those. Any steamed vegetables I make and stuff, she eats those as well. Um, and then she eats just a lot of other clean vegan food. And she eats eggs from our chickens. We have a bunch of rescue chickens. Uh, everything's organic and they live in our yard. And... Um, 
so she'll eat eggs from our chickens. So when he grows up, he'll probably eat like her, I would say. You know, I'm going to start him out, of course, on raw food, and I'm going to give him a little raw juice, and I'm going to give him the blended apples and, and raw fruits and avocado, and then we'll do some big sweet potato, uh, getting into cooked food. So he's going to start out really clean, but um, I don't. So this, when it comes to raising like super clean children or raw children, theoretically, it sounds amazing, but. Um, like I said, the body believes what we say we're going to do. So the cleaner the system, the harder it is to backtrack. And look, he's going to smoke weed one day. I mean, God, I live in Ashland, Oregon. He's going to be smoking weed when he, by the time he's <laughs> yes, six. He you know, no, I'm kidding. But, but you know, at some point, he, that's going to happen. He might smoke cigarettes one day. He might have to take his own adventures one day. He's definitely going to binge drink one day in college. I don't want to say definitely. God, I hope he doesn't. But almost everybody does. You know, like So, so this is going to happen. I don't want it to... to to you know, hit them like a ton of bricks. I've, I've met a lot of kids whose parents raised them clean and vegan and they have a lot of food issues too. So one of the, one of the pieces of advice I'm gonna take, which is my own and I give to parents is like, look, uh, parents that are raising their children vegan and I go, they're at the cousin's birthday. If they, the, the cake is the cake, right? We hate when, when our babies have this high sugar, dairy laden kind of food because it makes them go crazy. It makes them not feel well. It gives them a snotty nose. And they're like, yeah, it makes her sick every time she eats it. And I say, okay, but to not give her food issues, if she's not vibing on the special cake that mom and dad brought that you know looks like a hockey puck, you know, instead, like if she wants to eat the cake with the other kids, let them eat the cake. But just tell them if they have the snotty nose or the, the stuffy head the next day or whatever, be like, yeah, you know that happens when you eat cake sometimes. Don't make it a guilt thing. Just say, yeah, you know that happens when you eat cake sometimes. And then don't have that food in the house. So this way they get the education on it. They get to make the choice. They get to see you not doing it. And, you know, they, they kind of have that. Now, when they're really young, of course, control what they're eating. But you can create a lot of food issues for kids if they always have to be eating the special thing and the bag of carrots while eight other children are running around at the family birthday party eating whatever they want. You know, you don't want to do that to them. And there was a lot of value. Like I just told you about this whole thing with Malcolm X and me hitting bottom and having to climb out and learning about myself. Like there's value in exploring the world and, and doing that. So And allowing um, them to have their own journey like you had, yeah. which led you to where you are. Yeah, I love that. Very and much. kids want what they can't have, right? So if we say no, 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 they're going to want it even more. <laughs> mm -hmm. Totally, so, yeah. I think one of the most amazing things about raw foods is is the life force vitality that comes from it. I followed a paleo diet for many years. When I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer last fall, I immediately and intuitively turned towards raw food and juicing. I didn't read a book about it. I didn't think about it. I just, that's what I wanted. It was like what my body was like, get as many nutrients in, in your body as possible. And I've really had a, an incredible health transformation. I've gotten healthier every single day since the moment I was diagnosed with cancer, which is like a really crazy thought. But for someone who is interested in the benefits of raw foods and including, in, including more vitality giving foods, but, but they're following either like, maybe not a standard American diet, but a generic healthy diet, do you start with smoothies? Do you start with salads? Do you start with juicing? Like, what's your intro when someone comes to you and says, like, I'd like to include more raw foods? Where do I start? Three or four things they do. One, drink a glass of water every morning and try to do the overnight intermittent fast. Like, that's super important right there. Um, number two, always put fresh raw food in the body first. So like I do, so I have every client, I'm like, if they have access to juicing, which most people do, or have access to put the time in, I, I encourage them to do that, because that's a game changer. Juice is the ultimate superfood. Like that's everything. Like nothing, out of all the products I've seen come and go, and this enzyme and that thing, like there are, there's value in a lot of these things, but like nothing has ever beat raw juicing. Like nothing. I talk about it with, with my colonic colleagues all the time, and we're like, okay, you can only have one thing for the rest of your life, one food, what is it? Juice, everybody, hands down, juice, always. Um, uh, have a meal of fresh fruit, have a fruit smoothie, whatever it is, and start the day like that. And to make 60 to 80% of each meal raw salad. I have something called the Vitality Broom Cleanse, and I always tell people to look at that picture in there because I took a bunch of photos of the food for the book, for the uh, for the booklet, and it's um, they, people can download it too if they want to. It's on my Instagram. And, and I can give you a link too if you want. Yes, but please. there's a picture of the salad, and I'm like, that's what it looks like. You could have some blanched steamed vegetables in there and some, you know, uh, string beans and broccoli, but it's like greens and shredded cabbage and shredded carrots and radishes and, um, you know, whatever it is. And you build everything from that. Like that's the new rice. That's the new pasta. That's the new bread. Right. And then if it, it, it could be anything. God, I tell this story all the time. 
every time I tell it, my wife Holly, she's like, she's like, are you telling the Pat the Plumber story again? Where Pat the Plumber was like over 500 pounds, and he, it was the first time, no, sorry, he was over, four, he's been over 500 pounds. When I met him, he was over 400 pounds. He was a plumber. When I used to work with your mom at my first legitimate studio in the East Village, um, he did all the plumbing and built everything for us. He's a friend of, friend of my uncle's from Staten Island. And Pat walks, gets out of the car and he's 465 pounds and he's like leaning on the next car to catch a breath as he tries to get into our studio. So it turns out he's from Staten Island. I'm from Staten Island. Five minutes later, we're best friends. I'm like, Pat, you got a lot of weight on you. What, what are we doing here? You know? And he, we start talking about it and all the stuff he went through. I got him to juice all day with us. He didn't like to eat during the day for whatever reason. Um, he would juice all day. He would cheat and eat a little bit of crystal light and drink some crystal light. And then he would eat big bags of salad, lots of steamed vegetables, and then he would eat like fried chicken wings. And it was the first time he ever went below 400 pounds. He went to 385 or 3, 385 or 365. Oh, he's 465, went to 385 in the matter of the time that he was building out our colonic unit. So it took a while because we had some issues, but like six weeks or something like that, he lost all that weight that quickly. His colon was cleaning out, fat was coming off of his body. He was losing water weight and he was still eating fried chicken wings and cheating with crystal light. And he right. was using horrible dressing, like Pathmark, like canola oils, just not quality anything, you know, dressing on his salad, but just that change alone. So, you know, water, juice, salad, like that's the top three things that people need to do and make it consistent every day. That's what the everyday detox thing is. You got to tell me about, about paleo. So you were into paleo for a long time. I remember I used to see that on your account and I was always like, oh, I was like, I guess Carly's into paleo. I was like, um, uh, what was that transition away from that like for you? Yeah, I I wanted to. I'm going to tell you about paleo because it's really it's an interesting story. But what you're saying before, I think it's a really valuable part is this aspect of crowding out. And I speak to people and clients about it a lot, which is don't worry so much about removing everything. But exactly the story you just told was start adding the good stuff in, and naturally you're going to have less room for the bad stuff. So crowding out, start putting in the juice, the water, the salads, and then. And then eventually, some 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 of the less the foods that will serve you less will start to fall away. So I, lo I love that. And it changes the chemistry of that food in the body. So a piece of pizza is different with a salad beforehand. So it's yes. the right. it's the presence of the fiber. It's the alkaline minerals that help neutralize the acidic elements. It's the enzyme pool that's that's created from the food being broken up. It's um, it's what Dr. Fred Bishy would call taking the antidote before the poison. So you're setting yourself up for alkalinity, hydration, and movement, right? Like move, meaning fiber, moving things through. So then when you put in that you know, hunk of cheese or whatever, even though it's not the best ever, it's going to move through much differently and have a different effect on your bloodstream than it normally would. That's such a, value, such a valuable yeah. point. Um, so, okay, let's talk about paleo. So I don't know if you know this about me, but I was actually a vegetarian for seven years. It was, I remember that. Yep, I was a vegetarian for seven years. It was along the times when I was working for a personal development company. I was expanding my mind. I traveled to India, and I was really... What happened while I was working at this personal development company was that I was seeing people transform their mindsets. And at the same time, they were eating terrible food while they were sitting in the audience listening to this incredible life-changing information. Wait, what was the personal development company? Was this James James Arthur Ray? James Ray International. You, yep. James and, Ray, I remember your mom was into, was into him. Wow, yes. that's, a whole, that's a whole podcast in itself. I'd love <laughs> to talk to you about that. Maybe we'll get to talk about it in this podcast because I'm ultra curious. But okay, so you were doing that. Now, just, just can I... Please. I had the same experience doing work with personal development companies mm -hmm. and I would do these processes with people and watch people like doing eye gazing and, and saying like uh, declarations, I am love, I am this. And then they'd walk across the street on the break and eat McDonald's. And yes. I was like, remember when I said juicing and eating is like a spiritual thing? I'm like, you're saying what you want in life and every action you're taking outside of it is the exact opposite. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm vibing with you so hard I, on this right now. <laughs> so I saw that happening. I was like, something doesn't make sense here. We're not connecting the mind and the body and the spirit here, which is someone who was interested in yoga also understood the melding of all of these things. So that was when I be, I decided to become a vegetarian, which actually I became a vegan. I did become a raw foodist for two weeks, but I ate a ton of nuts. So I like totally backed up my digestion. Like the interesting thing about becoming a health coach later in my journey is that I've done everything wrong along the way. 
I became a raw foodist, but I lived completely off of nuts. So I totally backed myself up. And then during this time that I was like a vegan slash vegetarian on and off, I ate tofurkey. I ate like the bacon alternatives. Like I was trying to eat my conventional diet, but without eating animals. And so great, I took the meat out of my diet, but now I added in all of these chemicals and additives and processed food, which I'm sure is something that you see happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, we replace, it's like a replacement therapy. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted these comfort foods, but I didn't understand. No one was teaching me. Um, well, Carly, maybe leave out the tofurkey and the soy bacon and, and just eat really large salads with hemp seeds and, and raw sauerkraut and things like that. I don't know. I was like 22. You know, I was, <laughs> we do weird things in our early 20s. I was doing that too when I first went vegan. I, I, I what did I used to, I used to, I think I tried a couple of these like vegan beef jerkies and, you know, and it wasn't good back in the 90s. Like now at least they make really, at least now it's really good. I used to eat rice cream, ice cream. Like yeah. how bad was that stuff? It was oh, like, I went you know. hard on that. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially I did that for seven years and I, I did three months around India and I ended up landing back in Austin. And I knew that I wanted to work in the world of wellness at this point when I got back to Austin. India and for yoga training? I did. I, I didn't do my yoga training, but I stayed at yoga ashrams. I pretty much did a loop around the entire country. I lived in a reforestation village in Tamil Nadu where we lived off the land. Ooh. It was a really um, expansive and life-changing experience and really mm. connected me to my heart and to the earth in a new way, which is why when I left that experience, I said, I want to continue working in wellness. I want to continue like, I want to be a, a, um, uh, a way for, I want to help people awaken, whatever that means, whether it they awaken through food or through mindset or through spirituality. I, I had seen that there was another way of doing life after growing up on Long Island and thinking there was only one way to live and to eat and to do life. I had, I'd moved to San Diego. I'd work in a personal development world. I traveled to, to India. I was having this entire new perspective and I wanted to coach people and support them in having their own awakening via via the channels of food, mindset, and spirituality. But my first job when I got back to Austin was with a nutrition company. And it was a company called Standard Process, which is an incredible company. I still use some of their supplements. And what we did was we trained medical doctors, naturopathic doctors, chiropractors, acupuncturists, how to use uh, whole food supplementation in place of pharmaceutical drugs. And the woman, the, the wife of the man who I worked for, I mean, they were a couple, I worked for both of them. She was very, very into the paleo movement. And she took one look at me during my first interview and was like, you need to start eating bacon. And I was so offended. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is a nutrition company. Like, what are you talking about? I have to start eating bacon. Like, I was so taken back by that. But at the same time, Mike, like, I did not feel well. Like, I was carrying about 20 to 30 extra pounds. I had dark circles under my eyes. Like, I was probably not the, uh, you know, the image of health. And you were eating starchy kind of Indian food or... Oh, yeah. Vegan, like, pasta, pizza kind of... Totally. I just, the only thing I wasn't doing was eating meat, but I wasn't, I wasn't, right. I was being intentional about what I wasn't eating. I was not being intentional about what I was eating. Right. So I wasn't saying I'm going to eat juices and smoothies and superfoods and salads. I'm just going to not eat meat. Right. You weren't, you weren't, you weren't fully infused with intention. Right. <laughs> not like I am today with alchemy juice. Right. You got it. <laughs> but, but I thought, according to what was happening in my world around me, I thought if you just don't eat meat, you're healthy, right? If you're a vegetarian, you get the check mark on health. So because I didn't feel well, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Fine. You, <laughs> I'll try anything, you know, because I didn't feel well. And so I switched to a paleo diet. And by switching to a paleo diet, I did start to become intentional about what I was eating. I was eating healthy fats. I was eating a lot more salads and vegetables. I wasn't, I wasn't eating very much fruit. I wasn't eating processed sugar. I wasn't eating gluten. I wasn't eating soy. I wasn't eating chemicals and additives. I was going to the farmer's market and eating um, pasture-raised meats and vegetables and healthy fat mostly. And so my life changed. And I really, my, my life changed. I mean, I ended up losing the weight. I felt grounded. Um, and I stayed on that diet until I was diagnosed with cancer in 2019. 
And that was when I made the shift. And now I, I, now I can't go imagine going back to eating that way because I have the most vitality and energy and life force that I've ever had in my entire life. Like, I feel like I'm 16 years old. Like, I feel like I'm, I live in a parallel universe now in regards to how my, the amount of health that I have because I have the mindset that I had back when I wanted to get healthy in my 20s, but I have the knowledge that I didn't have back then. So I'm, it's like I came full circle, really, in my own personal wellness journey. Well, you're, you're beaming with vitality now. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but you, you were when you were on, when you were on paleo, too. Um, I, I always thought so. You know, um, paleo diet is, uh, in a lot of ways, it's such an improvement from standard American diet, minus the bacon. I, I know everybody goes hard on bacon with paleo, but I'm not a big fan. That makes absolutely no sense to me. But whole foods and some animal food, I mean, like that's – that's going to win for a lot of people if, as long as they don't overdo it on the animal food, as long as it's not keto-ish, you know. But if there's enough, like if if I took my diet now and I if I were not vegan and I ate some like I don't know some egg yolks or some like fish or lean meat or something like plus my diet was 90% the same it is now, I'd probably still get tremendous benefit. It's not mm-hmm. like you know, um, it's not like it's that that destructive. Like there's a lot of wisdom in a paleo diet. There's a lot of weird shit in a paleo diet too. So, um. and I think that different things serve us at different times too, which is why, you know, I I am personally not a proponent of this is the only diet, the only way to eat, and the only way to heal. I think there personally, I think it's about synergy. I think it's about pulling in the detoxification protocols. I think it's about getting our minds right. I think if it's it's about moving our bodies. I do believe it's always about eating whole foods from the earth including tons of fresh fruits and vegetables and things that the earth provided for us. But if some person, one person feels like they need to include some um, organic fish as part of their protocol, I say all power to you. I know not everyone has that same belief, but. (laughs) We have a lot of similarities. I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, I, um, I had a very, um, another level of awakening when I was in India. I spent a lot of time there. Um, My ex-wife is from India. So we used to go there for family visits and stuff and like, wow. What a what a culture shock. Like I really understood what culture shock was. Like what an eye-opening experience. A beautiful one. Um, beautiful eye-opening experience and, and a lovely and amazing people there. Um, I, I said, wow, I used to think I lived in the um, in, in one of like the, the, the busiest, greatest, exciting cities on earth, you know, New York City. Like that's where I grew up. But like just any street corner in India, like I felt like the excitement level was a 15 versus if New York is a nine or 10, like I was like, there's just so much life, like real life happening there is wonderful. Yeah. yeah, it's truly it's it's truly experience an experience. I don't think you come out of India the same person that you went in. You know, it's like it's like with any for me, it's like a, a cancer journey. I'm not coming out of cancer the same way I went in. It's a, it was, I've gone through something. For me, India was yeah. the same. I went through something traveling around India. I think a lot of international travels are that way for people when you really commit to an experience. But India specifically was that for me. Yeah. So. Looping back to to your healing journey, I or you know healing as a whole, I'm curious what three practices are that would be that are the most beneficial to you right now in serving your health and serving your wellness. Like if I could only do these three things, I know one of them's juicing. <laughs> what it's would they? The top. It's the top. <laughs> what, juicing. What would those three things be for you? Uh, juice. I mean, really, but like. And it might be something I don't do well, but like this, these are the most important ones that would that would be there for people, uh, without trying to blanket it like eating clean, like because that's what I do, right? So, yeah. so like, uh, but specific things: juicing, deep sleeping, and cold immersion. Mm-hmm. That's where everything happens. Like, like that, like you know, the juicing, the alkalizing, the hydration stimulates detoxification, feeds the blood, feeds the bones. Assuming you're juicing some nice deep greens, um, uh, and then. Uh, Deep rest is really one of the most important things. It's not something I'm very good at. A, from business stress, B, from having a newborn. And like, um, I mean, my wife obviously sleeps less than I do, but you know, my sleep's not perfect either right now. Um, You know, but that's, but long term, people really want to be focused on sleep for hormonal health, for complete detoxification. Um, And I guess, you know, really what I should should have said is intermittent fasting being a big one, creating that emptiness. Because one of the things that gets me through not sleeping, that we need less sleep the cleaner we eat. And um, 
uh, and the longer we do an overnight fast because it allows our body to, to, to correct everything in a shorter amount of time. The need for sleep magnifies when either we're hitting it really hard with fitness or strength training or something, right? And we're creating that demand and that breakdown of our body that needs regeneration. Or if we're eating diets that build up a tremendous amount of toxicity that we're all trying to, that the body tries to work through at night in the rest cycle. So, um, uh, um, when you see the average person wake up with the white tongue and the really gross breath and the goo all like the heavy crusties in the eye and like the puffy face like that used to be me all the time like i, I would need like you know industrial equipment to clean the, the cement off my tongue when i would eat like diner food at 2 a.m and pass out with it on me and like you know um <laughs> that is a, that and waking up and then being like ah oh, some coffee would be great where's the coffee you know making jokes about coffee like that coffee culture comes from uh, us never fully recovering because the average American can't get enough sleep to recover from their, their diet and lifestyle. And then you add phone culture and late night television and like, you know, looking at the blue light all night and like going like, makes it even worse. And that's really bad long term. The cleaner you eat, the less sleep you need. Dr. Fred Bishy, who's been on a 100% raw food diet and water fasted himself down to 88 pounds several times and like this wow. done the deep, deep cleansing. I mean, the man's 92 now, I think. Um, you know, he's, he, and he literally has a PhD in nutrition, right? So like, you know, he's done that, that advanced work and he's like, I can sleep one to two hours a night sometimes. Wow. He's, and I'm like, what do you do? He's like, he was like, I go to sleep, I fall deep into it. I wake up, I feel amazing. He goes, so I pray for a couple of hours and then I go work out or I go on with my day or I do, I read or like, I was like, that's amazing. I don't do that. I need more sleep, but I sleep about four to six and, um, I would love to sleep more, but sleep is, a, is such an important one for people. So juicing sleep and then cold immersion is, is it, it helps so much for me. Like that's a, that's like a, a like um, a non-negotiable for me. How often do you do cold immersion, and is it via plunges or cryotherapy? Uh, it will soon be. It was cryotherapy, and I would do it almost every day because at my studio in New York, I had a cryo chamber, so I would go in the every day, sometimes twice a day. Uh, there's a little bit of a luxury, you know, but look, yeah. I have, I have the machine. It's mine we run this business. I deserve some cryo, right? Yeah. Um, so I, but I would use it and I would use it for, for, um, for pain if my neck went out or like something wasn't right. Sitting in that therapist chair with the position that we're in with that, doing the ab work on them. And you do that nine times in a day for 18 years and <laughs> you start to have some things, right? So, um, uh, I'm gonna get a, um, a chest freezer and make uh, an ice plunge for myself. But for the most part, I take cold showers almost every day, six days a week probably. You know, sometimes I have to skip it if I'm in a rush, but I try to do three minutes of intense cold over my entire body and get the whole thing. Not so much the lower body because the lower body, especially the butt and the legs and uh, even even the belly, like my belly and my chest are like, seem to be a little more insulated, so it doesn't matter as much. But getting into the arms, armpits, neck, head, face, is really good in getting it over there for three minutes. And it creates an intense cellular contraction, which is a systemic cleansing process. Uh, and it drops inflammation dramatically. Um, it also makes me more uh, resistant to the cold. So in the winter months, like I feel much better than I did when I used to avoid the cold and always try to stay warm and did lots of saunas and dressed warm. Now that I immerse myself in the cold, uh, my body's uh, much more able to handle it. So it, it feels pretty good actually. And I welcome it more than I used to like avoid it. So. Interesting. That's an interesting side effect. I never thought of that before. I knew, I knew like the therapeutic benefits, but not not being more, well, not yeah, being able you know, to be in the cold more easily. You know what happens? The reason you see these uh, videos of like these Russian guys walking around in negative temperatures with no shirts on and jumping into you know um, holes in the frozen lake and stuff, they have more brown fat. And that's from repetition. And I imagine Canadians might have it too. Um, brown fat is when you expose yourself to the cold. The first thing that'll happen when someone does a cryo session. Cryo sessions, you, you get in a, ch a chamber, the temperature, the, the chamber fills with uh, nitrogen gas that's uh, diffused from liquid nitrogen. And the temperature drops to about negative 250 degrees. And you stay in it anywhere from one minute to three minutes. And it's dry, so it's very much a surface of the skin experience. And it's intense. And the first thing people do is they shiver because that's shivering, that's trying to create body heat. But that's not a very efficient way to create heat. So the body switches over and stops doing that to generate heat and it starts generating heat internally from its own energy sources. And this is how it helps to uh, actually helps to lose weight and burn calories. And that's one of the main marketing things for cryos, lose weight, lose weight. Well, this is how it works. Uh, your body burns, uh, creates energy by turning the white fat into brown fat. And what that means is when they look at the fat under a microscope, um, 
brown fat is called brown fat because it has kind of like a brown hue when they look at it because it's so dense with mitochondria. So it starts replicating and, or creating mitochondria very quickly and it builds it up in the, in the fat and, some, and there is some in the muscle as well. And that's the powerhouse of the cell that generates energy. So the more mitochondria we have, the more brown fat we have, the more quickly our body can generate heat when we're faced with the cold. And uh, yeah, so it's, it has a long-term adaptation of building more mitochondria, which is amazing. So that's why cold is, uh, is beneficial that way. So interesting. I know there's a big movement here in Austin with cryotherapy and we have wellness clinics popping up with red light therapy, infrared saunas, cryotherapy. And I, I visit one three times a week as part of my healing and detox journey. So yeah. it's really interesting to learn more about it. So. Mike, tell us where we can find you about, you know, you mentioned your Vitality Broom Cleanse and just, I mean, where else can people follow up and reach out to you? Right now, one of the best places to, to find me is just on Instagram. Uh, I used to do some stuff on TikTok, one of my favorite apps, but Instagram is where I spend a lot of time. Uh, I do uh, a weekly Q&A, a live one every Sunday at two o'clock. Um, I post stories all day put posts up, answer questions, do a lot of direct messaging with people. And I, I basically promote every single thing that we're working on at the moment. I usually promote a lot of things that are happening at the studio. The studio is no longer here. So I'm gonna be promoting our online coaching program, letting people know uh, the, where they can get the Vitality Broom Cleanse. I wrote a book on fermentation. It's all free. You go to the link in my bio. You can grab all that stuff. You can find out all that stuff there. And, uh, and come hang out on one of our, our lives and our Q&As. And I drop some other Q&As in during the week, too. So it's not, but, but the constant is every Sunday at 2 o'clock. Amazing. Everyday Detox on Instagram, and I'll put it in the show notes as well so they can find you. So thank you so much. This was amazing. Such a joy and pleasure to chat with you. So Super I appreciate Super fun. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. To keep the conversation going, come say hello over on Instagram at, at @carlylovescale or visit carlybrownwellness.com. Several times a year, I offer a program called The Daily Detox, which integrates and teaches many of the practices that you are learning in these podcast episodes. To learn more about that program, you can visit my website, carlybrownwellness.com, and I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye.